Please hear now the reading of the scripture from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, love. Grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson Phelps. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, in case you haven't had a chance to meet me yet. And I am so excited to be with you on this first Sunday in the season of Advent. I love this season. I have been so excited to begin this new year with you as we start off this new series. So I invite you to take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some of my earliest childhood memories involve playing with a nativity set that looked like this one. It belonged to my grandparents, and I literally played with it, taking the stable off of the countertop and moving the figurines around, retelling the story of the first Christmas to myself and which other siblings or cousins happened to be around. My grandmother never scolded me for this. In fact, she encouraged me to hold the nativity, to play with the figurines, to become familiar with the story. It is a story that is familiar to so many of us. We know it by heart, but it bears repeating because it is so often easily misunderstood, even innocently so. We can fast forward a few decades to my own household in which several nativity sets, many from around the world, are displayed at this time of year. I've adopted my grandmother's philosophy, so the nativity pieces are accessible to my children. So a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I overheard Augie and Natalie, who were five and six at the time, whispering to one of the major scenes. So I asked with curiosity, what are you doing? What are you saying? Natalie said, we're praying to the baby Jesus' parents. Augie finished so that they will bring us presents. Not the best pastoring moment. 
in our family. So let's just put a pin in the conflation between Santa Claus and Saints Mary and Joseph for just a minute. That's concerning, for sure, but it's part of a larger reality. We tend to confuse the seasons of Advent and Christmas. In truth, many people who follow Jesus skip Advent altogether. We tend to rush to the celebration of the birth of the baby and the exchange of the presents, and we skip the intention, the expectation, the preparation. We've forgotten what we're waiting for. Living like this with a focus on action to the neglect of contemplation has some real consequences for our world, including war. I know that seems like a a stark, perhaps dramatic statement, but let's just think about it for a minute. We tend to rush to the resolution, to the end, to the conflict, without doing the work of confession and repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. We try ignoring the situation We try arguing our points, we make our demands, we take what we want by force, or we leave altogether, letting the door slam behind us. This is war. War is a state of hostility, conflict, antagonism, and it's not reserved for military forces of the nations. It's found within the walls of our places of work, our churches, and our homes. In the text that Jason read this morning, a prophet named Isaiah envisions a time when the people of God will make war no more. Another great prophet named Jesus tried to take those ancient words to a practical level when he said, you have heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, don't be angry with a brother or a sister. Slow down, he says, and that's what he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what he's advising us to do. Slow down. When you are angry, take a deep breath. Stop what you are doing. Process what you are feeling. Gain some perspective. And then go to the object of your anger and be honest. Make amends. Restore the relationship. Beloved, the season of Advent teaches us to slow down precisely when the Christmas rush is picking up, distracting us from doing the healthy and active inner work of waiting and preparing for God to work in the world in mysterious yet ordinary ways. Just to be clear, so we all know what we're talking about, Advent is the season of waiting and preparation that precedes Christmas. The Christmas season actually begins on Christmas Eve. Today is the beginning of Advent, and it will take us all the way up to Christmas Eve. The word Advent actually means coming, and it was used historically to talk about the impending arrival of a person of note, a notable person. In our faith tradition, Advent has come to describe the coming of Jesus, both his birth in a stable and his second coming. And Advent is a beginning For us, it is the beginning of the Christian year, the church calendar, and it starts today. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Advent, but it's also the first Sunday in our entire church year. Today, we light a candle in the spirit of hope, which is just one of the gifts that the season gives us. The other gifts are love, joy, and peace, and we will celebrate those together in the coming weeks as part of our worship series once again. 
yesterday's words, today's hope. So children, if you have your worship bags, inside your worship bag each week, you will find a new symbol of the gift of Advent. And today, you have a star. So in your worship bag, Daphne, you have a star, which is a symbol of the hope that lights our way. And this star is really special because if you scratch it, it's an ornament, but if you scratch it, the color underneath is revealed. Just like our hope reveals the work of God in our world. And so those ornaments are yours to keep. On our way to the candlelight celebration of Christmas Eve, we will consider the ancient words found in the scrolls of Isaiah, who shared a prophecy about the Messiah, the one for whom the people were waiting, waiting to put an end to their suffering, to put an end to the wars that were waged against them and the wars that were raging within them. Isaiah is one of the most well-known prophets chosen to speak on God's behalf. And this situation rarely works out well for the prophets because it turns out that people generally don't like being told that they're wrong. They don't like to be told they need to change, especially when that prophecy comes with judgment. And when it came to the prophets, judgment was part of the package, but not in the way that we think. Prophecy in our ancient text is actually not about judgment. It's not fortune-telling. It's not even future-telling. Prophecy is truth-telling. Specifically, prophecy is a prediction of what will happen if actions do not change. Prophecy is a prediction of what will happen if actions do not change. So what we're talking about here are the consequences of a current pattern of behavior. We're talking about a vision of the present trajectory. Prophets generally were saying something like, God says, knock it off. And if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a terrible mess of your own making. More often than not, that painful mess was caused by the way people of God were treating those who were marginalized in their midst, those who were living in poverty or suffering with disease or mourning the loss of their parents, or grieving the loss of their husband, their spouse. You see, anytime the people of God forgot that they were blessed to be a blessing, their society began to crumble. Their economy weakened, their government collapsed, they were destroyed, captured, exiled, until only a remnant was left to begin again. And each time, God raised up a prophet to say, it does not have to be this way. But the people never listened, and the calamities fell upon them, and they blamed God for them, and even then, God raised up prophets to grant them hope. So sometimes the prophets speak of God's love and reconciliation after the painful mess occurs, the promises of God's unending faithfulness. The text from Isaiah that we read this morning speaks of the Messiah. It's one of those passages of hope that speaks of the Messiah, the anointed one, the deliverer, the savior. This is not just a spiritual concept. It's a political one as well. The people longed for their liberation and they could only conceive that such freedom would come through a military coup, through war. But Isaiah says the true Messiah brings hope of a future without war one in which the people of God lay down their weapons 
and they transform their agents of pain and destruction into tools of growth and sustenance, swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, death into life. Now this Messiah, Isaiah promises, will bring transformation at the heart level, at the soul level, until war is a thing of the past. We, of course, believe that Jesus is that Messiah. And at this time every year, our tradition invites us to suspend our disbelief as we prepare our hearts once again for his birth. Yes, we know he's already been born, but the beauty and the mystery of Advent, the Advent of Jesus, is that the practice of anticipation of his arrival can birth something new in us every year. If we're honest with ourselves about what it is that we need. If we're brave enough to hope for the world to be different and if we're willing to do our part to make it so. so the good news is that the Messiah shows us how to do that. We can read about his methods in our holy text, his preaching about the kingdom, his teaching of the law, his healing of those who suffered, his eating with outcasts, his challenge of the religious authorities. Beloved, when it came to being the Messiah, Jesus met people's expectations by defying them. He brought liberation not by inciting war, but by ending it, by calling the people to learn war no more, just as Isaiah foretold. But that's not our reality just yet. We know that. War is still the state of the world. It's still a way of life. And that's why we continue to wait, not passively, but actively. This is the heart of Advent, preparation. Think about the way an expectant mother prepares to deliver a baby. Gathering supplies, washing clothes, preparing a room. That's our task this season, to make room for Jesus to do something in our lives. And one way that we can do that is by letting go of the things that no longer serve us and adopting practices that enhance our quality of life. Because it is not just the birth of Jesus in which we place our hope. It's the ways of Jesus. It's the effects of following Jesus in our daily lives. Beloved, the season of Advent is the perfect time for us to unlearn war. Again, and Jesus tells us how to do this in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's a long list, but if you go to Matthew chapters 5 through 7, you will read about these things as he talks about the practices of managing our anger, forgiving, reconciling, keeping our commitments, resisting retaliation, living generously, loving our enemies, practicing faith, specifically through giving and praying and fasting. How many of us do that? especially in this season, refusing to worry, withholding judgment, and seeking God. All of these practices help us seek God. And these are the ways that Jesus asks us to turn our swords into plowshares by living into the freedom that we're still longing for, which is freedom that's already been given to us. That's the lesson of Advent as we wait for what is already ours preparing for what has already been given to us, hoping that this year, this year, 
we might learn the lesson a little bit better than we did last year. Thank God, hope is not merely wishful thinking. Hope is an expectant faith. It is trust that meaningful change is coming. New life is coming, beloved, and it is our job to make room. So, Natalie, are you ready to help me with this one? It's our job to make room, and each Sunday in the season of Advent, we are going to practice making room with this imagery of the nativity. And this week, we're going to start with the stable, which is, in our case, this whole room. And the stable holds the manger. It's empty, right? Because it's the season of Advent, not the season of Christmas. We're waiting. But this is the first piece in our practice of waiting. And you all have a stable as well. So I invite you to take that out right now. Online, we have this available to you as well. Kathy can drop it in there for you. This is something we're going to use every week, so don't lose it. Put it in your Bibles, bring it back. If you lose it, we'll give you another one. But today we're going to start with this gift of hope. We're exploring the gifts of the season, and the first is hope. So I ask you this morning, what do you hope for this season? Take some time to write it down. You don't have to do it right now. You might want to take some time to think about it. But, but the question is, what is the meaningful change that you need in your life? How can you actively prepare for God to work a miracle in your life? What do you hope for? Write it down beside hope. If you want to do it now, you can. If you want to do it during the week, that's okay too. For example, my hope for this season is presence. Not with a T, not gifts, but being present. More present with God, more present with myself, more present with family. That's my hope. That's the change that is needed in my life in this season. So what do you hope for? What's the miracle that you need? Remember, this is not just wishful thinking. It's trusting in God's faithfulness. It's believing once again that the baby will come once again, that the advent of Jesus in our lives is powerful enough to put an end to war by making peace before it starts. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We've come to a time of prayer. I want to invite the kids in your worship bags you have a wooden cross. Daphne, I think there's still a cross in there. Do you want to double check? Emery, Augie, Lainey, Owen, you want to hold your crosses? We hold the cross as we pray, as a reminder that we are connected with God and connected with each other. It's like holding hands. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the room that you give us in the season of Advent, to prepare for a change of heart. We ask that your hope would surge through us, inviting us once more to believe in miracles, trusting that you are still at work, putting an end to war. And may that end to war start in our hearts. Amen. <laughs>